So we're beginning a new series this morning we're calling uh, Summer Hacks. Uh, I wondered uh, when I first heard the word hacks in this context, like, is that like a hacksaw? Like what? I had a dad joke, sorry. Uh, summer, summer hacks might end up being a lot like dad jokes uh, as I think about it as we go through this. But I have to ask, before we get to the hacks, let's start with the summer part. How many of you love summer? All right. How many of you are glad summer's here? All right. How many of you are still planning on being in church when you're in town the rest of the summer? Just, just checking, you know, it, it, there's sort of this miraculous phenomenon that happens in Oregon. The sun goes out and everybody disappears. Uh, it's not just from church, they disappear from everything. It's, it's, it's like uh, literally next weekend, I think you can go anywhere in the mountains and within five minutes you'll run into someone, maybe even someone you know, because everybody goes to the mountains, everybody goes to the beach, right? It's just we live for summer here in Oregon because the sun only comes out so many days a year, right? And so when it comes out, we're like, at first we're like, oh man, that's like, what is that strange thing? But we adjust to it pretty quickly, warm up to it and get pretty used to these nice, warm, seasonably warm days, uh, beautiful sunshine and hopefully smoke-free days the rest of the summer, right? I'm, I'm all for that. So we all love summer, right? Which generally means that we love things that make summer easier, make summer better, right? I'm sure you have some secrets I'm sure you have some things you never share with anyone, but, you know, like, for instance, how many of you, how many camp, right, a few of you, yeah, some, I bet some of you have some secret camping spots you don't tell anybody about, right, right, they're just things that make life, make summer better, how many of you have a secret barbecue sauce, a secret, a secret dessert recipe, uh, there are, there are certain Things that just improve life, right? And, and, and so if you go online these days, I don't always recommend this, but if you go online these, these days and you Google something like summer hacks, you'll see what I saw. Just tons of ideas that are supposed to make summer easier, better. Now, I didn't know it, but we had summer hacks when I was a kid, right? We would take, tell me if you didn't do this, an ice cube tray. And we'd fill it with like Kool-Aid. Today they call that summer hacks. Back in the day we called that popsicles, exactly. Right? Right? So, so you got to go with it a little bit. you got to get your mind in play. In fact, I want you this week to think about your best summer hacks because next Sunday uh, we're going to try to collect some of those uh, on our Together at 10 service. And so if you're here next Sunday, even if you're not here next Sunday, send them in online. I want to hear your best summer hacks. Maybe we'll share some of them with you. But I came up with a few, some of which I'd heard, some of which I didn't, that I thought might be worth knowing. So... Summer hacks, if you will. Uh, you ever have a problem with mosquitoes? Anybody? Yeah. Right? Right? We know how to get big mosquitoes here in Oregon. You go to a water place, wet place, you get the big mosquitoes. We don't need those. Uh, I hear there's stuff going around through mosquitoes these days. You don't want that. So I haven't tried this one. You tell me if it works. Maybe somebody has. But they say before your next outdoor cookout, you buy a couple of extra limes. You take those limes, you slice each of them in half, and you press some whole cloves into the flesh of the lime, and then you put that around your table, and the mosquitoes stay away. Anybody heard that before? I don't know. Yeah, see, that, that's one I didn't know. I think, in all seriousness, our, our, uh, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, they knew a lot of this stuff, right? It was life before we bought everything in a can. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now we have to rediscover it as though it's new, right? Right. Everything old is new again, right? Or how about this one? Uh, you can you you go to the beach, sandy day. You got sand all over your feet. You got to get in the car. The sand's all over your body. How do you get the sand off, right? Well, you take your towel and you you know you're beach. You're still like five minutes trying to get the sand off, right? They say. If you take baby powder along, it makes it really easy to get the sand off your skin, assuming you're not allergic, right? Small bottle of baby powder with you to the beach this summer. You can be sand-free before you climb back in the car. Just throw some baby powder on there, uh, wipe it all off, and the sand goes away. I haven't tried this. See? Somebody who goes to the beach knows, right? It turns out there's something to these summer hacks if you will i've got one more for you but uh i'm gonna take a drink first let's say just for fun that you have a five gallon bucket and let's say in said five gallon bucket you need this much water and let's say all you've got is a regular faucet for whatever reason you can't go outside and get it from the outside faucet you don't have a hose You've just got your regular faucet with your regular sink. And let's say your sink's not that deep. I mean, you've, have you tried this game before? You put this into the sink, but you can't put it in the sink. So you, how far can I fill it before it starts to pour out, right? So you turn the sink on. You're, now, there's an easy way to solve this. Let me show you. This is the part that feels very dad joke-like. Handy-dandy pool noodle. Did you know there's like a thousand things you can do with pool noodles, Right? These are like basically the same things as those packing peanuts, if you will, and I don't recommend tasting them. But this end of the pool noodle will slide right over, if you have a normal faucet, right over your normal faucet, and you just created a slide for your water to fill that five-gallon bucket. I mean, who wouldn't need this summer hack, if you will? Right? I mean, if you just happen to need to fill a five-gallon bucket with water. Right now, it might be easier to go outside and use the faucet outside. But how much more fun is this? Right? I mean, what are the kids going to think or the grandkids going to think when they see? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I always appreciate having a pool noodle nearby because you have an instant sword. Right? Right? It's like wrapping paper time at Christmas. Right? You are ready to battle with pool noodles. So there's like a billion things you can do with pool noodles along with your summer hacks. We'll share a few pool noodle hacks along the way as we make our way through the series. But if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open them with me to James chapter 3 in the New Testament. James chapter 3. I think it's important that we think of it this way, right? We're always looking for things that make life better. Not just summer better, seasons change, right? I said that a while ago when I prayed, right? Seasons come, seasons go. We can be thankful for the season we're in. We're also typically thankful that seasons change. The good news is that God does not change in the seasons. You're in a bad season, you're in a difficult season, you're in a gracious season, you're in a hard season. Whatever kind of season you're in, seasons change. God does not. That's, that's good news. That's, that You can build your life on that. I am so thankful God doesn't change on a whim the way I do. Right? God doesn't get moody. God doesn't... I know you've read the Old Testament. Right? <laughs> but the Old Testament and the New Testament are clear. God does not change. So, so, here's the thing. We often in life are just thinking, well, 
you know what? Life would be great if there were some shortcuts, right? I got good news and bad news. We might call them hacks. We might call them other things. But really, there are no shortcuts in life. Right? Everything worth doing in life. Now I just sound like a dad. No joke, just dad. Everything worth doing in life is going to require sacrifice, is going to require perseverance, is going to require investment. It's going to, frankly, it's going to require faith. It's going to require hope. It's going to require love. It's going to require sacrifice. And there are no shortcuts in life, but there is something better. And I want to go to James chapter 3 and see if I can explain what I mean. There is something better. James 3 verse 13. We've studied this passage before. This isn't new. But I think it's worth holding on to. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy, if you harbor selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it. Do not deny the truth. Now, I, I honestly think the reason James wrote, you know, if do not boast about it or do not deny the truth is because there were people who were harboring selfish ambition in their hearts. There were people who were harboring bitter envy in their hearts. When confronted about it, they said, oh, no. Or when confronted about it, they said, hey, this is wisdom. This is this is this is our form of wisdom. This is what we think is wise, right? You know, I mean, we all know you, you get ahead, you got to climb the ladder. You, you climb the ladder by pushing other people down, right? You see that happen today, and people look at that and they go, "Oh man, I see how that person got ahead. I'm gonna get ahead the way they got ahead." You got to cheat. You got to steal. You got to. You got to. So there were people who were living this bitter envy, selfish ambition kind of life. And, and, and I'll go beyond that. I mean, that just sounds very work-oriented. But relationally speaking, there were people in the church who were clamoring after higher position. People in the church who were clamoring after more authority. Frankly, that game's not new today. Happens in religious circles all the time. Happened in Jesus' day. Jesus spent a lot of time talking with the religious leaders of his day about the difficulties and, frankly, the demonic influence of pride. He says, If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, quotes, wisdom does not come down from heaven but is earthly is unspiritual, is demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So let's just pause there for a minute. What do you want in your life? Summer or otherwise? Do you want disorder? Chaos, 
right? So there's a way to skip. It's not a, it's not a shortcut, but there's a way to avoid the detours of life. There's a way to avoid the distractions we get ourselves into. There's a way to avoid the destructions we create in our own lives if we'll just see them as God sees them. We often wonder, you know, why God says don't do some things. I think it's because God knows just just far more than we do. Like, don't go that way. It's a bad idea. Look out, danger ahead. And God knows that we can avoid a lot, not just sin, that, that's, that's, that's good to avoid, but the consequences of it by steering the right direction rather than the wrong one. It's, it's as simple sometimes as seeing the arts, what is our motivation, and saying, what would God do in my situation? Verse 17 says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven. Have you ever been in a circumstance where you were choosing, not between right and wrong, but between good and, and not as good, or between you, two options that are both equal in terms of morality, but you're trying to figure out what does God really want? And you're thinking, how do I know what God wants? The wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure he said, well, that doesn't do me any good, Brian. I just need to know, do I, do I move here or move there? Do I take this job or do I take that job? But the wisdom, this is the Bible is confounding in this way. When we think about wanting to know what God wants for us, we want details. We want specifics, right? I used to say a long, long time ago, we want God to take control of that plane and just sky right in the sky with it, right? Brian. Here's where you go. Now the people in that plane would be miserable after the sky rotors skywrite that, right? Right? I feel bad for those folks. You think, you think your stomach doesn't feel good this morning. Think about how they'd feel with all the loop-de-loos trying to get my attention. But God doesn't do that. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, peace-loving, considerate. Submissive, full of mercy, full of good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. You see, the reality is that there are no shortcuts. And life has no shortcuts, but there is such a thing as wisdom. And God has given us that. There are no shortcuts in life, but there is the wise thing to do. And the wise thing to do will skip the detours, skip the distractions, skip the destructions that we create in our lives. In fact, that's our one thing today, right? Life has no shortcuts, but there is such a thing as wisdom. No shortcuts. Man, I kind of wish there was. You know, instead of when I was young, instead of starting at the bottom and working your way into responsibility, it had been nice because that's when I had all the answers, you know. Right? I mean, the older I get and the more responsibility I carry, the less answers I think I tend to have. 
You know what I'm talking about? You know, that's called life experience. Some people might call that wisdom. In fact, I think it was William Shakespeare that said, the fool, the fool doth think he is wise. You can tell I don't speak King James very often because I'm going to stumble through this. The fool doth think he is wise, but the wise man knows himself to be a fool. It's very, very easy to think, you know, if I could just, if I, if I could just skip the hard part, if I could just, if I could just, if I could just take a little detour around this, this thing about patience, I could get what I wanted sooner. Right? It's sort of logical, isn't it? Makes sense. Right? If I could take a detour around this thing called faithfulness, that God would understand because of the good that would come from the ungood, right? The means, the ends justify the means. If I could just skip. If I could just take the shortcut. But life has no shortcuts. Life has a lot of distractions. Life has an insane amount of detours. And life has a whole lot of destructions with chaos left in their wake. Chart your life sometime. I don't know if you've ever had to do this exercise. Where you literally you take out like a you know a big piece of a paper or a you know like a three by five thing of of whatever and 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 draw the timeline of your life. And think deeply about the moments where life went right and where life went wrong. And think about this gets overwhelming really. Think about the moments where, where life went wrong and think back to the motives that were going on in your heart at the time. How is it I went wrong? Now, I'm going to tell you up front. Do all of this with the goodness and the graciousness of God in mind. I am who I am because of the goodness and graciousness of God, not because of the boneheaded decisions I've made in this world. And I've made plenty of them. I am who I am because of the goodness and graciousness of God. In spite of all of the dumb things I've done, God still loves me. Someone said, someone wiser than me, that when God called you to himself, or in my case, when God called you to pastor, God already knew all of the dumb things you were going to do. And he chose me anyway. But if you chart your life and you think about the distractions and the detours and the destructions, I think you'll find that there were things going on in the heart that weren't healthy. Things going in in the heart that, that we, you know, I sometimes use the word toxic. Things going in in the heart that were, 
We could say easily selfish, sinful, prideful, bitter envy, selfish ambition. Let's think practically for just a second about how this plays out. And life can be wise, but life can also be wasted. Life can be wise, but in life I can also do wrong. And if I think back through the wasted days of my journey, and by the way, if you learn from them, if you acquire wisdom in the process, then you can see how God brings good from evil and begin to see it in different perspective. But if I think about the worst things I've done in my life, and I think about whether there's regret involved there, what if going into some future decision, I were to look back and see that, you know what, I had this in my heart. I had pride in my heart. And that pride was not good and it was not helpful. And this is how that turned out. Maybe this time I should go a different route. That's wisdom. Now, I'm not leaving out the part about wisdom coming from God. Over the series, we'll get into, right, the, 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 the wisdom comes, it begins with the fear of the Lord. And we'll get into what that means. But I just think about this. That, that Proverbs says, Proverbs 27, 12, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. You know, look out, danger ahead. Oh, that doesn't apply to me. We think that all the time. Well, what God said about sin over here, that doesn't apply to me. God would understand I'm the exception. Proverbs 14, 11, and 12. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. There is a way that appears right, that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Add to that how deceptive our hearts are. You know the person who tells you the most lies? Oh, yeah. Yep, hands down, by far. I just look in the mirror, right? That's why I don't like to look in the mirror these days, especially I take my glasses off and I look in the mirror and I'm like, put these things on so I don't have to see that. It is so easy, easy, easy to be distracted, detoured, and destructive with our lives. And in this sense, wisdom that comes from God is the ultimate life hack. It's not a shortcut. But it's the way to learn, learn from God, learn from others, learn from my mistakes, learn from my past. Right? I mean, how many times do I have to reach down and grab the hot pan before I realize, don't grab the hot pan without the oven mitt? You ever done that? You're in a hurry, right? Right? I mean, I seriously, I've done this before, right? It's like Thanksgiving, and I'm cooking, and I'm cooking like 400 things, because that's what we do at Thanksgiving, right? And I have checked the ham or the turkey or the whatever a ton of times, and for whatever reason, I forget sequence-wise about the magic oven mitt, and I open the 
right? I'm just going to reach in and pull that pan out a little bit. And I've gotten, you know, to the point where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's hot, right? Even at 250 degrees, that's, that's not very good on the skin. Wisdom says, huh, yeah, don't do that. Right? How do I know? You might say, I've done this before. Wisdom is the ultimate life hack because wisdom avoids the distractions, the detours, the destructions we create in our own lives. He says, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it. Don't deny the truth. I mean, just think about these in a little more detail. Bitter envy. Wisdom avoids the need to compare. You know how often we're in like comparison mode? Right? Right? People you went to high school with, people you went to college with, or people you worked with in your first job, people you work with now, who's where, how'd they end up? We go down the comparison mode of life all the time. In a sense, it's the curse of social media. I I know I I bash it a lot. Social media is a lot like, uh, like money, frankly. It's a tool. It can be used for good or bad. But I'll tell you, there's a subtle allure with that whole like button thing. How many friends do they have? How many friends do I have? And that just seems silly at some level. But you ever had a friend get promoted? Marcy and I were talking this week, right? A friend of mine was just called, and I, please don't misunderstand this. I am deeply thankful to be at Harvest Community Church. This is our home. This is our family. We're glad to be here. Yes, I know we just went out of the country for six weeks, right? This is where we want to be. Just hear that. So I had a friend, a good friend, just called to be the pastor of a, of a larger, influential church, yada, 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 yada. You ever been in a situation where you see something like that and you're, something in your heart goes, yeah, but, but what about? That's just human. It's also pride. Wisdom avoids the need to always be right. He says that there's bitter envy and selfish ambition in human earthly wisdom, evil wisdom, demonic wisdom. That there is in this sense that even the people you're closest to, not the people who are far away, not the people who are in this place over there, that place over there, not the people on social media who are out there somewhere, but the people closest to you in your life. What has been the most tension-filled moments you've ever had with your family? I'll tell you, far more than not, the, the, the first issue, the cause... Right, The first tick, the thing that maybe nobody even remembers might have been something substantial. But you add just human nature into the equation, some bitterness, some envy, some selfish ambition, and pretty soon you're arguing about nobody really knows what you're arguing about. Been there? Right, This is just human. I'm not excusing it. But I am saying it can be avoided. 
if we choose the path of wisdom. Often you see in our hearts this need to be right all the time. That we have trouble voicing things like, I, I, I'm sorry. Or even stronger and better, I was wrong. Because we want to perceive ourselves as always having the answers. We want to perceive ourselves as always doing the right thing and therefore always being right. Christians get pretty good at this when I think about the ways we make ourselves into the media pretty often. Frankly, I mean, if I'm honest about it, we end up coming across like jerks for Jesus. But we're right. I'm not saying be wrong. I am saying don't be a jerk about it. Wisdom avoids the temptation to lay character aside to get ahead. And think about how often in selfish ambition it's easy to take the shortcut. But nobody will know. I mean, I don't know. It seems like with cell phones these days, somebody always finds out. Right? I mean, the whole big brother thing. Now we're like, hey, big brother, what's the recipe? Right? Hey, big brother, what's the summer hack? Somebody will always find out. It's not just the government that's always listening. It turns out when we sacrifice character for the sake of getting ahead, it will always be evident to the people closest to us in life. The last person to know they're an addict is the addict. But everybody around them, oh, they know long before. So wisdom avoids the moments where I do the wrong things and I get the wrong consequences or the consequences of the wrong things. So what does this wisdom really look like? This is where you have envy and selfish ambition. There you find disorder. There you find every evil practice. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly and unspiritual and even demonic. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, Reap a harvest of righteousness. In a lot of senses, this little list reminds me of another one we find elsewhere in Scripture where it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
self-control. That, that there is nothing in this list of wisdom that conflicts with that list of fruit. And both make reference to good fruit that God wants to produce, that the Spirit wants to produce in our lives. So where do we go with this? How is it that we that we acquire and live more wisely? That's what this sermon series is about. And so we're going to spend the next weeks thinking about these characteristics. We'll think more deeply about wisdom, about humility, about purity. We'll spend some time on characteristics like even temperament and graciousness, peacemaking. And we're going to really dive into the wisdom of Scripture and ask ourselves, what does it look like to live life from God's point of view? I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I'll define that as we get into wisdom down the road. Wisdom is living life from God's perspective. It's, it's seeing what God would see and doing what God would do. Right? It's the classic, you know, the little bracelet like WWJD. Right? It turns out if you do what Jesus did, a lot of things a lot of things in life are better. And it's a Sunday school answer to say, well, what would Jesus do? And I realize if you're deciding between a move to, you know, Chicago or Houston, what would Jesus do is like, well, he'd go to Jerusalem. You know, if you're trying to decide between stay at the job you're at or take this job over here, what would Jesus do? I don't know. He'd probably leave the job altogether and travel the world healing people. That's what Jesus would do. Right? And we're always trying to, yeah, but I, I just want Jesus back in my, in my five-gallon bucket. So how do I get more of that Jesus-y kind of stuff in my life? How do I know more about God's point of view? I think we have to choose it at some level. And so I'm just going to give you five hacks very quickly for a more fruitful summer. If this is about fruit and God's producing this kind of fruit in our lives, what kind of choices can we make? And I'm just, I'm just going to run through the list really quick. This is simple. One, life is better with humility. You want to skip some detours and distractions and destructions? Choose humility. Right? Humility is the polar opposite of bitter envy and selfish ambition. Humility means that God is honored. Humility puts me in my right place, which isn't the top of the list. Humility takes me off the throne, removes me from the center of everything in the universe, and elevates God to his rightful place. Not only does humility serve me in that way with God, it serves me in that way with other people. The Bible talks about honoring one another above yourselves. The Bible talks about in marriage how we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Think about how we get caught up in, yeah, but I need. Yeah, but I want. Yeah, but what about me? Life's better 
with humility. He said, but how do you get ahead? I don't know. What would Jesus do? Is, is the point of life to get ahead? Life's better with humility. I know this, if I chart my life and I look back at some of the regret memories that I have and I think about the times where I got off or the times where I was in tension with Marcy or with the girls or, or the times even on uh, previous church staffs I've been a part of where things got wildly tense and ugly and there was bitter infighting and that kind of thing. If I think about those moments in my life and I trace them back to what if some of us, what if I had made a more humble decision? So here's the thing. I can't go back and change the past. The past is the past. And I am who I am today because of the goodness and the graciousness of God. But I absolutely have a say on the future. Right? They say that those who don't learn from the past are doomed to right, repeat it. So what if I take a look at my life and I say, okay, all right, turns out, Brian, you need to be a little, a lot more humble. So what would be the humble thing to do? Number two, life is better with purity. With purity. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Right? Verse 13, he said, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good deeds, by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Verse 17, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. By first, I don't think he means First in order, like, although it is in this list, first in order, I think he means essential, foundational. The foundational is purity. And we hear purity, and we tend to think in a religious context that that's about sex. And while that does play into the conversation, this is not a word that is referring just to sexual purity. This reference is a reference to being not mixed, right? That, that pure from fault. It's not, it's not half good and half bad, but it's pure. Right? One of the cities Marcy and I were in over the trip, and I, I mean this in no, like, Look at us braggadocious kind of way. But, but you've seen it in the movies. It's Venice. Right? And, and Venice has a magical sort of quality to it in the movies. It's, it's very romantic. Right? You ride the gondola ride with the dude with the big paddle. And he like sings or something. You know? And you're like, like I got to be honest. That was not my experience. I did ride the gondola ride. I and mean, we had a couple other people with us. But we rode the gondola. But the dude didn't sing at all. I don't know what happened. We rode through the 
channels between the streets. We got a little history. And, and it was all very interesting. But you know what Venice smells like? Anybody ever been there? Yeah, I mean, just think about it. You build a city on the water. And you flush the toilets. It's, it's not like they have a... You know, like a big tub underground to hold their stuff. Right? So everything in the city of Venice smells like sewage. And some of you are like, cross that off the bucket list. <laughs> the dude doesn't sing and it smells like sewage. And the day we got there, the, uh, the boat folks were on strike. So we traveled with uh, two carry-on. Each of us had a carry-on and a backpack. And the backpacks were stuffed full of work stuff and all kinds of things. So we, so we had huge backpacks and a carry-on bag. And we're going, and this is what Venice does. Go 10 feet, go up some steps over a canal and down some steps. And go about 30 feet and go up some steps and over a canal and down. And it's just constant. And uh, we had to walk, or at least we chose to. The, the first day when we got there. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's not that bad of a walk in like 25 minutes or something, walking to the place where we're staying. Everything up and over and down, up, over and down. And I got my suitcase, got my backpack. You know, after a while, I'm like, I, I'm getting chasing rabbits. <laughs> See, I'm not pure. Let's ask it this way, just in terms of that water in Venice. How about I take a 50-50 mix of good tap water, or even better, like spring water, bottled water, something you know has been filtered, right? right. I take a mix of that good stuff and 50% of that good Venice water. You game? Even if we took the salt out, you good with that? I tell you this, I didn't want to go swimming in Venice. What if, what if we reduce the 50, let's go 60, 40. I'll just, I'll just 75, 25. Right, I'm trying to figure out where, where's the part where, because we sell ourselves and this rationale all the time. I'm 80% good. I make the right decision most of the time, but this time I deserve. This time I'm the exception. This time, how about 95.5? Just some good old-fashioned clean water with 5%. Is it clear? <laughs> Probably still smells. You get my point, don't you? Right? Purity comes from being undiluted in this sense by the wisdom that is earthly and unspiritual and demonic. Purity. Number three, life is better with even temperament. Because you didn't want to have like 12 points or 9 points or whatever in my sermon, I combined some of these. Life is better with even temperament. Right? By even temperament, I mean... You know, like even-tempered. Right? The wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. Then peace-loving. We'll come back to peace-loving in a second because he's going to talk about peacemaking. 
But peace-loving is good. Considerate. The word considerate here means reasonable or fair. It can mean equitable or even gentle, willing to yield without being too strict or being reasonable in demands. It speaks of God as his, and his disposition as king in the sense that God is gentle and kind. And though in reality he has every reason to be stern and punitive towards us in our sins, that God's people can have this same love and this same considerateness. And think about what the story of my life, if you charted it, or your life, if you charted it, would be without the considerateness of God in your life. Submissive. Submissive. There's a word we hate today. Right? It conjures up um, images of slavery. It conjures up images of abusive husbands who say, but you do what I want. There's nothing pure about any of that. Here it's referring to a willingness to learn. A person who is approachable, who is, who is compliant, who is teachable, who is willing to yield. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but if you took, if you took a, a, a place where we have stoplights, and you took out all the stoplights, and, and you, you just put in green lights... Right? You go when you feel like going. You go where you feel like going. Take out all the yield signs, all the stop signs. You just go when you want to go. You go where you want to go. You go how you want to go. You know what you call that? Rome. Like I was seriously never more thankful in my life to not be the driver of the car. Right? And the taxi drivers are hilarious because they were very considerate of us. But also there was like, you know... All these people get, but people would do this. Like, there's this giant circle near uh, one of the big, you know, like downtown where everybody goes kind of areas. And I, I was going to say, I swear I shouldn't say that. It was, I, I think, five, six lanes across, and it's this big circle, right? You know how circles work, right? You yield in, you yield out, that kind of thing. And they just drive all the way across, right? You need out, and you go from the inside lane all the way to the outside lane. And somehow it works. And they do it at pretty good speed. And then guess what? There are crosswalks over said circle. And if nobody's in the road, nobody stops. So the way you get traffic to stop is you get into the road with the people doing this at 50 miles an hour or whatever. You could easily say that when marriage goes wrong, it's like that. It's everybody trying to do what they want, when they want, with no yielding. You know what I'm saying? Submission is not a bad word. It turns out our lives are better when we're considerate, when we're peace-loving, when we're yielding. Frankly, there's just less drama. Number four, life is better with gracefulness or graciousness. He says that it's full of mercy, full of goodness, full of good fruits, impartial and sincere 
I think about where the mercy of God comes from, and it, it's got to orient in the fact that God is gracious, that every good thing I get from God is because that's who God is. He gives me good he doesn't deserve. Sometimes that goodness is mercy. And sometimes that goodness is, his, is the other good things he brings to my life. And so my life can be described in a lot of ways if I chart it as full of mercy for the boneheaded things I've done and full of good fruit for the good things God has done in my life. Impartial. Am I, am I fair? Do I treat everybody the same? In the book of James, he started very early on, James, James 1, he talks about how they would treat the rich and the poor differently. Right? The, he, he easily says there's a right thing to do here, and it's not to classify people into groups and then treat them differently. Look at how much tribalism plays out in American life. If you're in my tribe, you're good. If you're not in my tribe, I hate you. Frankly, the church is no different. I see tribalism everywhere in the American church. What happened to good, old-fashioned graciousness with people who see things maybe just that much different? Sincerity means without hypocrisy. That we're not faking it. This goes along with the purity, except it's, it's not what is seen is pure, right? Like Again, if I can take the Venice water and I can take all the stuff you see that's bad out, but what about all that you can't see? You still want it? Number five, life's better with peacemaking. Peacemaking. Right? We're full of good mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere. Peacemakers who, who, are, who are peace-loving, who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. Peace-loving, peacemaking. Always looking to show love. Always looking to include, not exclude. Looking to love the way Jesus would love. I mean, I don't know if Christians know this, but loving your neighbor is not like bonus points. It's, it's actually commanded. We're not going to get to heaven and God goes, Ha! Huh, ten extra gems in your crown for you. You showed love ten times. To your neighbor you couldn't stand. And by the way, all these qualities work at their best when you're in a situation that, that requires them. I mean, I like to use patience as an example of that. Patience is not as this list, but it's in the fruit of the Spirit. You can easily say, it's easy to be patient when you don't have to be. Right? Right? It's, it's easy to be sincere when there's really nothing on the line. It's, it's easy to be a peacemaker when everybody else is at peace. But when there's tension and when there's conflict, when there's bitter envy, when there's selfish ambition, what is it I'm choosing? I picked this up a while ago. I, I, I can't necessarily remember the exact source. But somebody wrote that there are three or four kinds of peace-related people in this world. There are peace fakers. 
fakers, F-A-K-E-R-S. Peace fakers are always in escape mode. I would say in the youngest years of my life, this was me. Right? I was always looking to avoid. It's just how do I get out? Right? So instead of really dealing with anything, we just, we just ignore it, deny it, put our head down. There are peace breakers. Peace breakers are always in attack mode. Right? Bitter envy, selfish ambition, get ahead. There are peacekeepers. So I, I, I graduated from peace faker to peacekeeper. Instead of an escape mode, I lived in, okay, okay, let's just make everybody happy. The challenge with a life that makes everybody happy is that eventually um, it ignores God. Because you're just trying to please everybody around you. There are peace fakers, peace breakers, peace keepers, and peacemakers. Right? Peacemakers are in active reconciliation mode. I just know I look at my life and I, I look at the chart of it and I think about regrets and I think about, it's okay. I am who I am because of the graciousness of God and the goodness of God. That I have these qualities in my life because this is who God is. So the big question becomes... How much better would my life be going forward? If I listened to God and I looked at life from his point of view and I actually did it God's way. That's where we'll be over these weeks of summer. I certainly hope when you're here in town, that you'll worship Jesus with us as we discover this together. They're not just summer hacks. They're life hacks. Life is so much better when I live it God's way. We're going to end our service with our two prayers. We always end with two prayers. The first is a prayer of salvation. The second, a prayer of application. If you're here today, and maybe maybe you've misunderstood me slightly, or maybe I haven't done the best job, if what you've heard today is you just need to be gooder or you need to be more good or you need to be better, whatever the right grammatical term would be there, then I've miscommunicated something. While our lives do need to be better, it's, it's not in our own ability to produce it in our lives because we fall short. And that's why Jesus came. And it's why, frankly, he died on the cross for our sins because I need God to produce these things in my life. And if you don't have Jesus this morning, man, you can receive him today, like right here, right now. Why not? Even online. Why not? For all that God offers, why not? But it takes some humility. The humility to say, God, I'm not. The humility to say, I'm often wrong. That my nature is sinful or wrong. You pray with me like this. Dear Jesus, I admit that I am, I am in my soul. That I'm very good at doing the wrong thing. 
Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness. I turn to you from those wrong things that I do. And I ask you to forgive my soul. Not just my soul, but my entire life. Jesus, take over my life. Fill my life with your goodness. And since you're alive, be my God. And live in me. And fill me with your way of love. And your way of grace. And your way of wisdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If that's you, man, I'd love to celebrate that. I'd love, love, love to celebrate that. But I can't do it if I don't know about it. So let me know. Let someone know. Right? You can let me know on a communication card or a digital communication card. You can email me. I'm Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at harvestchurcheugene.com. Uh, you can just find me after church. I would, I would love to talk about uh, various things. I'd love to celebrate that you become a Christian. I'd love to talk about baptism and next steps. It's an exciting, amazing thing when we lay our lives at the feet of God. Maybe today you're here and you've, you've prayed a prayer like that a number of years ago, but you realize you haven't been living very wise of late. You want to apply this to your life. Would you pray this prayer of application with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for bringing wisdom to my life. Help me to actually put it into practice. In fact, thank you for being wisdom inside of me. Fill my life with your spirit, Jesus. With humility. With purity. With even temperament. With graciousness. Make me a peacemaker. Jesus, do the same with our church family. Work all of these in us. As we love Eugene and Springfield around us. Jesus, thank you that while there are no shortcuts, there is wisdom. Thank you for being wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.